The founder of the Jesuits, Ignatius de Loyola, soldier and priest, is credited with this saying, Give me a child for his first seven years, and I'll give you the man. Back in my boy years, I went to the same high school as Tony Abbott and Barnaby Joyce. Jesuit Ron, the soldiers of Christ. I know that system. The Jesuits got hold of me too late in life. I'm not religious, but I'm not anti-religious either. What I am is curious, curious about the line in modern Australia between mainstream cultural Christianity and ideological fundamentalist Christianity. In Year 12, I was told that if I missed any more religion classes, I wouldn't be allowed to sit for the HSC. My religion teacher? Father Emmett Costello, Society of Jesus, and Tony Abbott's mentor. I'd love to say I was challenging church and state at age 17 and standing up to the man, but no, I just couldn't stand any more of his preaching, lifestyles of the rich and famous. But it wasn't just me. In his Sydney Morning Herald obituary, much was made of Costello's focus on ministering to the rich and powerful and his tendency to brag about his connections. None of this is new. In the early 1600s, Jesuit missionary Matteo Ricci became the first European to enter China's forbidden city. His writings on science and philosophy attracted an important audience amongst the Chinese elite. He was so respected that he was able to live at the court of the Wanli Emperor. There's a game to power and influence, and Christians have been at it a while. I'm a curious, queer-identifying urban professional, and now I'm wondering at what point, if any, should personal beliefs, such as homophobia, be a factor in determining who should be elected to public office? At what point does irrational fear of minorities impact the workings of government in a diverse and pluralistic society? Paul Wallace, who was Anglican Archdeacon of Canberra and Goulburn, 2012-2015, wrote on his personal website, Every state and territory parliament in Australia is now served by at least one alumnus of the Lachlan Macquarie Institute. This is an organisation with a board made up of most of the board of the ACL. Wallace continued, The Lachlan Macquarie Institute aims to give in turns a foundational understanding of the intersection between religion and politics in Australia before they go into public life. I'd never heard of the Lachlan Macquarie Institute, and I was surprised to hear that any organisation running internships, let alone one with most of the ACL key personnel on its board, could offer placements in Parliament House. I'm starting to realise that it may not be possible to keep this podcast neutral. Thanks to my background, I felt that I had at least a toe on both sides. Now I'm not sure impartiality is even worth it. I knew that any member of the public has the right to get a meeting with their local member, but the ACL network has a far better deal going. The ACL can advertise an internship program that, quote, allows you to understudy a federal member or senator from either the government or the opposition in order to gain a greater understanding of the system. That doesn't sound fringe or loony to me. It sounds like a rather clever and cost-effective strategy for a two-person organisation, which the Lachlan Macquarie Institute is. Connect with people around values, and it makes me wonder how many marriage equality activists take the time to do the same in Canberra. Take this quote from the bio of ACL Chairman Emeritus Tony McClellan. 
With a passion for the poor, Mr McClellan served as a Director of Opportunity International Australia for many years and as Chairman of Habitat for Humanity Australia. I must admit, I find this guy's bio a little creepy. Passion for the poor. What does that even mean? Does that mean you have to keep poverty alive to remain passionate? These organisations are not fringe groups. They're powerful, well-connected, global NGOs looking to have impact. So how do these organisations have so much influence? Perhaps it's money. Join me in the next episode where we follow the funding trail and discover how these organisations are connected around the globe. Next time on A Clever Label. Australia's Prime Minister weighs in. You've said you intend to look at protections for religious freedoms. Can you give me an example at the moment um, where people's religious freedoms are being impinged in Australia? And that's actually not the point, Lee. What the point is, is that Australians want to be sure that in the future that those things won't be But policy usually upon. addresses where a problem exists, so I'm asking where the problem exists. Well, I believe exists. there could be problems in the future. You have been listening to A Clever Label, a podcast where we explore the hidden influence of the Australian Christian lobby on Australian politics. Join us as we continue to follow the clues and explore the links revealed with this secretive but powerful organisation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share and rate it. It makes it easier for others to find. Stay up to date and share the latest on this project by following us on Twitter at A Clever Label. The link is in the description. If you have a desktop VR system, download the free VR version of this documentary where you can take a deep dive into all the connections from Steam. To support this project and help us bring it to film and TV, please consider making a donation through our Documentary Australia Foundation page. Use the short code is.gd forward slash a clever label. We really appreciate your support.